Hello there, everyone, and welcome to HPAC On The Air, the monthly podcast of HPAC Engineering Magazine. I'm your host, Rob McManamy, Editor-in-Chief of HPAC Engineering. Our guest today is Dr. Virchin Kaplanalu, Director of Innovation at the, Oracle, at the Oracle Industry Lab, which officially opened outside Chicago earlier this year. Exciting cutting-edge work is happening there, and some of it will certainly affect the HVACR industry in the months and years to come. So HPAC Engineering wanted to speak to Birchin a bit about what he is seeing at the lab this summer and on the horizon. So Birchin, uh, thanks so much for joining us this month and for, uh, well, just thanks, thanks for being our guest today. And Rob, thanks for the invitation. I, you know, you and I have a long history and I'm excited <laughs> to actually, uh, you know, be part of this conversation with you. Yes, I am too. And, and uh, for, for, I should also thank you for authoring the article, uh, uh, Four Technologies to Watch, which is in our current issue of HPAC Engineering. Um, on the July August, so folks can go to hpac.com and, and, and see it there if they haven't already gotten in their in their mailbox. Now, um, before we get into any tech specifics, though, uh, Birchin, let's please just give us a brief history of your experience in the industry and and how uh, how you came to your current position at, at Oracle. Absolutely. So, I've spent almost uh, sixteen years or so in the industry. I work for a single company. Um, a publicly traded company with um, you know billions of dollars of revenue, and done many different projects in construction and engineering, from building buildings to running large programs to uh, blasting actually was running operations to build cell towers, and you know done many different construction. Have dealt with a lot of systems and mechanical systems and all that stuff, and you know any kinds of projects too throughout that time. It was. Almost five years ago, I joined uh, actually Oracle to lead innovation for the construction engineering business unit, which provides software for the industry. The ones that most people know is the scheduling one or the project management or you know optimization tool. So there is the products which are um, specific to our industry that is widely used for pretty much every you know type of project out there. Mm-hmm. And as part of that was, you know. When I joined, one of the things I wanted to do is there were things I wanted to do when I was in the industry that I wasn't able to do. And one of the key reasons, uh, Rob, is it's very hard to stop your day-to-day operations and sometimes try new technologies because you're delivering projects, you have tight margins, you have tight schedule. You know, you, you can't really just say, oh, I'm just trying this new stuff, right? Because mm-hmm. what if it doesn't work? What if you have other issues? So um, starting my job, six months into the job, I suggested we should build a small construction site. And the idea there is what if we build a site, we pick five key use cases and we just try them. We try them with our tech, partner tech, bring customers in and create a test bed for us and our customers and partners and the whole ecosystem to figure out how we can actually make these things scalable, implemented. So what I've learned from that is that actually become pretty successful because that didn't exist. It still doesn't exist, by the way. So what I'm describing mm-hmm. um, still is doesn't exist anywhere else in the in this context where building a test bed for construction and putting the technology to work. Okay, and uh, and that test bed just opened up in Chicago officially this this spring, right? In, in the uh, um, in, in Deerfield, I believe the, the industry industry lab. Correct, but um, so testbed, like the history of the lab, has evolution. So mm-hmm. it originally started in August 2018 as a small construction site, and if you were to, your audience to picture this, picture a double-wide 
trailer, put uh, a fence around the site, put a steel structure in the middle. So it, it looked like a, you know, a phase of a vertical construction site. So we were actively testing technologies in this construction site for 18 months. Mm -hmm. And after 18 months, we actually start building a new facility. This is, that's the building currently I'm in. So we actually built a building in the same location. We kept the trailer. Uh, we actually built a, a roughly 30,000 square feet facility with big open indoor space. It looks like a hangar, but it's all glass mm -hmm. wall all around. And for everyone to picture, imagine a big open space, three story high. Um, and the idea here is for us to test stuff, right? So whether it is robotics, whether it is 5G, whether it is visualization tools, whatever it is, is to bring that capability for us to actually trial these technologies. And I should mention that online, uh, when people look at the story, and actually when we, we post this, uh, the podcast as well, that we'll have a link in there to the, uh, the Oracle site so people can take a look at, uh, at the facility and uh, video, via video as well uh, and see some of the work that's going on there. Actually, I should just mention, I, I think that, uh, um, I believe there's, are there two other facilities around the world now that, uh, that are, are, are similar or kind of uh, parallel facilities yes. to, to this one? Yeah, so we are, um... In few weeks, we will be operational to site in Sydney, uh, and that's actually also uh, similar to Chicago. Started as a small construction site, it's in Sydney, and then we are um, going to be operational in fall of 2022 to a site in London. London is very different, so every location is different. Let's start with that. Mm -hmm. So, for the audience to imagine this, imagine Chicago is a big hangar, all glass wall brings light in and it's open space where we can try stuff and it's multiple things. In Sydney, it's a small construction site. Um, in Reading, we actually are building uh, a focused on transportation infrastructure. Mm -hmm. So it is, a, we actually built a train station. We acquired a train car and fully modified and repurposed built it. We are experimenting and testing in that site construction communication, uh, food and beverage, hospitality, mm -hmm. and energy use cases. So if you tie all this together, audience might say, wait, how do you tie all this together? Eventually mm -hmm. for the audience, you're the ones who's gonna build all this, right? So you're the ones who's gonna build the roads, you're the ones who's gonna build the train lines, you're gonna, who's gonna build the food services, you know, how people commute through this. The idea is when you leave your house, what's it takes you from that house to your final destination? Think about it, Rob, you leave your house, you get in a vehicle, uh, something, some, something is going to take you to a mass transport, which is in this case our, you know, simulated train car. And then you commute to a location. It could be Hyperloop. It could be fast train. It could be bullet train. It could be a spaceship taking you to Mars, you know, whatever it is, vehicle taking you somewhere, right? Eventually you're going to leave this vehicle and arrive at your final destination. You have to commute the last mile. So if you follow all this logic, you're going to realize that um, communication is really important. Everything is to communicate. Construction is the one who's going to build all this infrastructure, right? We have to, we have to do it, and then we need to modify it for the technology needs. Hospitality has to basically have you register and actually, you know, go through the experiences. Uh, food and beverage, you have to get food throughout this journey, or water, drinks, whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. Energy, we need to do this all sustainably. So, two years ago, I was looking to create a site in London, and I was thinking how I can tie the five together. I come up with this idea of why don't we build like a small town center and actually pull all this together and create a test bed? And, and that's what it's going to look like. 
Oh, very good. Well, that sounds uh, exciting uh, and, and global, certainly, um, and interconnected. Uh, just so people don't think that this is just a, uh, this is not just a, an, a showcase for Oracle products, right? So, I mean, now who, who are some of the other manufacturers and construction firms that you've been involved with? Um, and how do you decide what sorts of new products are, are, are tested at your site there? Great question. So in Chicago, we have uh, close to 50 partners. And again, those are partners with different technologies. In terms of customer base, I mean, uh, we pretty much serve everyone in the ENR list. Uh, I mean, it's a long list of customers uh, and they come and engage with us. And this is, again, you highlighted something really important, Rob. This is built as a test bed, right? So how we prioritize, it all comes from the industry. There are certain use cases that our industry is trying to solve. And I'm gonna highlight what those are. Um, one is we are all trying to optimize and have control over supply chain. No doubt about it, right? So that's one. Mm -hmm. The second one is we are all trying to automate progress reporting. How can I capture data? We all have to do that, right? Like you have a your 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 audience, they hire subcontractors, they hire other subcontractors. Everybody has to say, this is what I've done, right? Mm -hmm. How can I automate that process? Another one is how can I do remote operations? If you were to stay at your home, can you actually remotely control something? Would that work? Uh, the number four topic would be about centralized uh, operations. Like how can you sit in a command center, watch everything and make decisions and run all this, right? And the last one is how you visualize all this. Look, if you think the concept, everything is, how can you put from augmented reality to virtual reality to analytics to AI, how can you actually make smart decisions? So we focused on five key things I just described. And of course, safety is a big part of it, just to be clear. Safety is every one of these. Like So like when supply chain, when it is automation, it's a very important part for our industry. But overall, the, the goal is to make our products predictable. Look, it, uh, you know, I, I'm going to say something outside of technology, but I, it's an important topic to me. Look, we have a major mental health issue in our industry, right? One of the key drivers of that is the level of stress we get from running our projects. And one of the driver for that is unpredictability of our outcomes, right? Mm -hmm. When you don't, when you go to, you know, if you're lucky, end of a project, five o'clock, you can go home if you're lucky, you know, at that time. Um, not knowing will the supply, you know, will the, will the material show up tomorrow morning? If they sit there, are they really going to show up, right? I'm talking about having a technology which is going to say to you that, yep, it's shipped, it's en route, it is, you know, 20 miles away from the site as of five o'clock, right? Like having that level of comfort and data and understanding is going to make our lives much better. So tying all this together, uh, those five key use cases has driven us so far. and. And we still have a lot way to go. I mean, look, it's it's continuously evolving. We're not there to make all those things fully automated or, um, you know, make the whole workflow uh, in place. Mm -hmm. Technology is one issue. Uh, people is another issue, meaning you need to skill them, right? And you also need to change the process. And actually, just to, for, for folks who may not have been able, may not have read your article yet in, in the current issue, maybe you could speak a little bit to that. Uh, I think we, we highlighted four technologies to watch there in, in, the, in the current issue that's at hpac.com now and in, in the, our July-August issue. Um, so, I, well, you're the author. I'll let, you, I'll let you talk on that for a moment. 
Awesome. So again, I encourage everyone to read the article about the high level. <laughs> it starts with connectivity, right? Look, it's mm -hmm. about 5G, right? So uh, we told everyone talks about 5G. There's all the buzz out there, but the reality is, what's it going to do to you, right? Uh, look, for for your audience, having data access whenever you need it and how fast you can access to it is one benefit. No, no doubt about it. Um, for this audience, especially, you know, the line of work they, they do, being able to have multiple sensors embedded into products that can communicate at any time is gonna be a huge benefit, right? Then not only you can track where the shipment is, where those pipes are, or you know where the pieces are, or mechanical equipment is where it is, and you know how it's in the production and delivered to a site, but what happens after it's operational, right? And, and having the ability to connect these things without going through a whole cumbersome process, right? Because today things show up and you need to authenticate them, you need to find the right network, you know, imagine you'll be able to actually have these things working. The other one is we called in the article construction money ball, right? Everybody's looking to see what data do we I have and what are the issues I have and how can I solve them, right? So for us as humans, um, we observe things and we make judgments and we, you know, make predictions and we have, so we have a gut feel, right? So most audience can relate to, we have a gut feel about how things are going. The reality is, if you have the data, maybe there are things that we are actually not recognizing. Maybe there are things that, oh, maybe I need to do the lift of this in a different time because it's overlapping with something else. But maybe because I will never observe that because I am not part of that process, right? So I think it is important to have that visibility of basically having you know multiple data in one place. The next one, you need to have a whole intelligent platform, right? So um, like we, uh, we uh, we have a platform called Smart uh, Construction Platform to do that, to be able to have data from multiple products and into one place, how to communicate, how to manage them. And the last but not least is, uh, I know it's a buzzword, it's artificial intelligence, right? Just to be clear, um, most of the artificial intelligence we talk about in our industry or many industries are machine learning. Basically, it's algorithms, it's looking at certain things, it's trying to make predictions, and this could be like, um, it looks at the factors and says, well, there's 90% probability your project is gonna delay by 10 days. And that's a prediction. But the products that we're building, it doesn't, it also tells you the reason. Look, we are skeptical, we're engineering construction, right? We wanna know why. We also wanna have a say in it, all of us. So we are building the products that will make a prediction, but also tells you why. And it also gives you the chance to either accept or decline. It has reinforced learning. It actually can go and adjust the model, mm -hmm. which is very important. What I described to you, uh, I think is going to really help our industry to adapt and adjust and start using these tools because what we're always concerned is you're making a recommendation, A, why? And then I need to have an opinion about whether I like it or I agree with that or not, right? And now it's upon me then to make a decision whether to take an action on that. So we're providing tools now to the industry where it will be able to make some decisions uh, normally wouldn't be visible to you. And again, I think we as industry don't like black boxes. It's like, you know, it's something just magic showed up and it said you this. We're very skeptical of technologies like this, which is totally understandable. I come from it. I understand it too. I would have asked the same question. I would have said, well, how, mm -hmm. how did you come up with that answer? 
how can I control it? Um, but I think it is, uh, it is happening, it's coming, and the audience, I think, can really make use out of those. Okay, well, that I mean, that is uh, um, exciting as well. It, now, I guess it, specifically, can you talk a little bit more to the innovations that you're seeing uh, and uh, uh, case uses that, that maybe would apply more directly even to uh, HVAC work and, and mechanical engineering and, and, uh, um, and, and our audience here at HVAC engineering, I guess, even if it just involves things like uh, inspections or equipment testing and even track of inventory and stuff like that. So what, what, what are you seeing so far? So let's start with um, virtual reality. So look, there's a lot of technologies out there. And today, if you think about virtual reality, you'll think about like multiple headsets you can wear and you can be in a virtual space. And most of the audience can see that, oh, that's a, that's a game, that's a toy. People just use it to play games, right? Is that true? Yes. Is that, does it have a huge market? Absolutely, it's happening. But what's interesting is our ability to take models and actually be in the same model, multiple people at the same time, and you could be anywhere around the world, right? So like um, I'm in Chicago, you could be in a different city, someone could be in Europe, other parts of the world, engineers, we could be in the same model, we could be avatars, so it's like little figures, we could go to a certain part of a building or, or a facility or a road construction, you know, whatever the, the project is. We can see the same thing. We can virtually touch the same thing and we can change the model. Like we can actually interact with each other rather than trying to do this in you know, two dimensions or exchanging you know, drawings to, with each other or marking things up, right? So mm -hmm. modeling is really, uh, picking up, right? So it, it is not new. Most of your audience are used to doing, you know, um, their own, uh, you know, drawings and sketches and models. This is not new to this. And especially, you know, large projects, this, this is pretty common. Having ability to do clash detection. Okay, mm -hmm. I have a mechanical system. How is that going to clash with the structural, right? Um, I have columns all over. Am I actually, oh, oops, this location, I'm actually going to go through <laughs> the way the location is in the height and the, the location, I need to move this, you know, a few inches to the other side because I am right now going through a shear wall, right? You, mm -hmm. which you cannot mm -hmm. do that, right? <clears throat> so technology is really evolving and actually, especially in the virtual reality and the modeling is becoming a lot more easier to manage, cheaper to manage, and, and, and more, you know, benefits to us. Because anyone who's listening to this, who knows this, there's always an upfront work. Look, I'm not saying it is an easy process, right? But the more time we spend on planning and modeling and understanding how these systems work together, with together, um, before we actually start building them, the less conflicts we will have. And the less you know, changes we need to deal with and you know, better time management. Going back to what I said a few minutes ago, it's about having predictable outcomes, right? right. If you don't have those in the site, then you know that you can go home and you know that tomorrow, you know, the location that you're gonna install those you know, ducts will be the right location because it was already modeled and it has the space to actually go through that. Well, it's... Uh... I mean, that, that is good. And hopefully folks will be making that investment too for, for AR and VR. And um, now, now since you're 
are really on the cutting edge here of, uh, in the lab there. Can you give us, uh, I guess, the last question, just a bit of a preview of where you think we may be five to 10 years down the road? What, what types of new technology do you think will be as ubiquitous yep. in, in 2032 as, as say, uh, iPhones are now? Well, I'm going to, this is my crystal ball, right? So earlier I talked about virtual reality. And now I'm going to talk about, talk about augmented reality or called mixed reality. Mixed reality, augmented reality means um, you could be wearing glasses and you see typically what you see, but then you have the models or the objects that are overlaid on top of it. And the biggest issue today with this technology is the hardware. It's really not a real software issue because if you're wearing augmented reality headsets, they're heavy, the battery is an issue, the data storage is an issue, and most of them, like what you have on your head is what the, basically you're carrying a little iPhone machine or like a, like a cell phone or a laptop or some, some machine with and computing on your face, you know, gets on it. Uh, and or you have this like little box attached to your belt that with a cable attaches to this so you can actually see these things, right? And if you do limited things, you might have something looking like, you know, your glasses, but mm -hmm. they're very limited, right? Because you can't, we can't really do computing. You can't really do that. But I'm going to also tie to some topic I mentioned. So all this hardware is run either on a, on this, machine that's attached to your body or on your glasses or like someone, something on you. In the tech world, it's called edge compute. You're basically doing the computing on the edge. You're not doing on the cloud, right? So you actually mm -hmm. have to do it there because of many issues, technology issues. But when 5G comes, you have amazing speed and amazing latency. Your augmented reality, mixed reality headsets can be as light as your glasses or maybe slightly heavier. The reason is because all the compute, basically your, your, what you're wearing is just becomes a way to collect the data. None of the calculations, none of that, or you don't need that much battery because you're all doing is collecting data. Um, everything is done on the cloud. So imagine a new architecture of technology where your glasses or you're, you're wearing your, your watch, right? Or your sensors on you becomes just a way of collecting the information. It has amazing speed to connect the cloud, process it, and tell you what the results are. It has ways to basically display those images. Now, how is this applicable to your audience? They walk into a space. Look, they've watched movies, right? We all watch movies last two, three decades about wearing these things and seeing objects mm -hmm. in the air or seeing what's behind the wall, right? Or seeing things that are not in place, but what's going to look like when it's in place. It's absolutely doable today. It's just not that practical, right? So there mm -hmm. are limitations to hardware, especially hardware. There's some software limitations too, but more on the hardware side. So by, I'll say 2030, right? Mm -hmm. I think that's the year you picked, right? Mm -hmm. I truly believe the connectivity and the new architecture and the ability to use augmented reality for your audience is gonna make a big difference. And it will be cheaper, by the way. So one of the right. main reasons why these headsets are $3,000, $5,000, $10,000, kind of range around that range, is because the computing is done on them, right? It's like, there's no economy of scale. You can't really, that's like you're buying, you know, like a computer at each time, right? You're not actually using the power of cloud in here. So that will be my prediction. I think that will be a really relevant topic to your audience. It's going to change how you operate and work. 
Okay. Well, that's that's going to be fascinating, certainly, and we'll 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 certainly have you back between now and 2032 to see how how things are progressing. But uh, Birchin, I, I appreciate uh, all your time here today. I know you're a busy fellow, and uh, but I appreciate your your time and your insight. And uh, we certainly look forward to speaking again with you again uh, for those updates down the road. Um, so so thanks again for for being with us. And uh, and really, folks, so that's that's all we have time for today. So thanks everyone for listening. If you like what you've heard here today, and uh, please hit subscribe and share this with with your colleagues and friends. And thanks again, everyone. We'll see you next month, Birchin. Good luck with uh, with all the exciting stuff ahead ahead for you. And uh, so everybody, I'll just uh, say keep safe and uh, and keep cool this summer. So thanks again. Thank you. Really appreciate it.